Yeah, it's so good to be back here in Hamilton. Um, it's probably five years, something like that, since we've been. So, yeah, really excited to see what's happening um, in your congregation, but also what's going to happen in your city. More, that's more exciting than what's happening in here. Um, and so, yes, just thrilled to be here. Now, I'm going to share a message tonight called Embracing New Thinking. Embracing New Thinking. Now, I used to be a school teacher, and so I like some response from my audience. So, are you up for that tonight? Good. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start with a question. Do you like change? Oh, oh. Okay, I heard a big no at the beginning. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few questions and you can do yes or no. So, if you are going out for a meal, do you always choose the same restaurant or are you always going to somewhere new? Who likes going to the same restaurants? Okay. Who likes to just go somewhere new? Okay, very good. Right, this may be for the slightly older people here. Have you had your furniture in the same position for the last 30 years? Or are you always moving your furniture around? Who keeps it in the same place? Uh, Who likes to always be moving it? Oh, okay. Okay, this may be a funny one. Who has had the same hairstyle for the last 10 years? (laughs) I thought we'd get that one. (laughs) Or who's always wanting to change their hairstyle or colour? Who's for change? Oh, hardly see out there. Oh, not many. A few. Who keeps their hair the same then? Oh, more people. Don't like change? There we go. Okay. If you go on holiday, do you always like to go to the same place because it's familiar? Or do you just want to try somewhere new every time? Okay. Who likes to go to the same places? Mm, Who likes to try somewhere new? Ah, more people on that one. Okay. So just just a little quiz to get you thinking about are you someone who likes change or are you someone who likes to stick in the mud? Okay. (laughs) Um, Let's think about it. Change can be scary, can't it? Um, We recently, in the last um, 20 months, moved from one location to a new one. We've been in the same location for 30 years, decided it was time for change. And so we, uh, we sold our house, we moved. Now, you know, yes, there was excitement, but it was scary because for me, I'm always like, will I like the new place? Will I make any friends? You know, will I go, oh, I wish we'd not moved. I like my old house. You know, it was familiar. But actually, 
we have embraced change and we absolutely love where we've moved to. But you know, familiarity is comfortable, isn't it? It's like when we moved, we had to find a new doctor's. We had to find a dentist. That was really hard. Um, Then, you know, when you've got to get your car serviced, it's like, oh, don't know where to go. Got to start finding that out. It's not familiar. And so it's a little bit uncomfortable. You know, to embrace change takes a lot of mental energy, doesn't it? So let's just think you go somewhere brand new on holiday. It's like, you know, you don't know where to go to eat. You don't know, oh, perhaps the culture, the rules of the culture, how to get around. It takes a lot of energy to have change. And so um, a lot of us don't change because of that reason. Okay, now we get into the good part, the Bible. <laughs> no, you thought. And we are going to read from Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read it in the message translation. So here goes. I think it will come up on the screen, yeah. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now that passage goes on to talk about us being a body and we all have a function. And so further on it says, so since we find ourselves fashioned into All these excellently formed and marvellously functioning parts in Christ's body. Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. Or trying to be something we aren't. I absolutely love how that is put. Don't you? Like it's so fresh. And it's so down to earth and practical. I'm a very, very practical person. I'm down to earth. Don't give me all that fluffy stuff. Just tell me the facts. Tell me how to do things. And so when I read that passage, it talks about taking your everyday, ordinary life. Anybody here have an ordinary life? All of us. We all do these things. Sleeping, I hope. Eating going to work, walking around, going to do your shopping. We, we all have an ordinary life. And here it says, we all have an ordinary life which God can use. So it's not for superstar Christians. It's not for people up the front. It's for all of us. We are all ordinary 
living an ordinary life, but when we place our ordinary life before God, he can do something with it. He wants your life. He wants to bring the best out in you. Um, And it talks about him, he's made us who he wants us to be. I just find that so encouraging. I don't have to compete with somebody else. I don't have to compare myself with somebody else. I don't have to go, I wish I had their gift. God has made you unique with your gifts, your talents, and in the middle of your ordinary life, God can use you. Now, wedged in the middle of that passage where we're talking about our ordinary lives, placing it before God, verse 2 says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's from the NLT translation. Another one would say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, In the middle of your everyday, ordinary life, God is calling us to be transformed. He doesn't want us to stay the same. He doesn't want us to just get comfortable. He says, I want you changed. I want to transform you. There's no standing still. There's no getting comfortable. I want to transform you. You know, personal transformation only can happen when we have a mind that is open to being renewed, or in other words, taking on new thoughts. There's a quote that says, if I am going to have what I've never had, I need to think a thought that I have never thought. Shall I say that again? Because that sort of like messes with our heads a little bit. If I'm going to have what I've never had, I need to think a thought that I have never thought. You know, all progress, whether it's in the area of technology or social change, involves somebody thinking a new thought and putting that thought into action. Now, probably everybody in the room, more or less, will have a smartphone. Yeah? We couldn't live without it, could we? No, it's like an extension of our arms. Well, I'm old enough to remember no mobile phones. I remember dial-up. Anybody else? I remember when we didn't even have a telephone in our house and we had to go to a telephone box. Whoa, now I'm showing my age. But, you know, our mobile phone is absolutely incredible, isn't it? So we could be in New Zealand and we could turn on our heating in the UK. Fancy that. Like, I have no concept of how that can happen. But somebody thought that up. Like somebody one day went, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to be in another country and turn my heating on or turn my lights on so the burglars would think I'm in? You know, it's absolutely incredible, isn't it? And 
technology is always advancing. Goodness knows what our phones will do next. Make us a cup of coffee, please. <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? But technology is always advancing. Somebody had to have a new thought. Why not as Christians? We have the creative God living inside of us. Why not us have a creative thought? Why not us think up something new? I'm always challenged by looking back in history at a lot of the social reformers, um, especially coming from the UK. Uh, For example, if you've heard of William Wilberforce, anybody heard of him? Yeah, he was the person that helped stop slavery. Um, He had to have a new thought, didn't he? Because slavery was just common. It was just part of culture. And he one day woke up and went, it's wrong. I'm going to do something about it. Now, it took him 40 years, and it wasn't easy. And he got a lot of backlash and a lot of probably abuse and whatever. And if it was on social media these days, it'd be even worse, wouldn't it? Um, But he went, no, slavery's wrong. I'm going to do something about it. He took on new thinking. And what about today? We, we need social reformers today. The world is no better, is it? It's probably got even worse. And somebody in this room, you may say, I've got a, I've got a thought. I'm going to do something to change society. Um, probably 30 years ago, 31 years ago now, and Ian and I have been married for six months. We've been married 32 years. And um, when I married Ian, I thought I was marrying up. <laughs> because Ian used to be the National Youth Director for Youth Alive in the UK. And so, you know, he, he was quite the eligible bachelor. And um, I caught him. <laughs> um, And so when we got married, you know, it was a secure job and, you know, we were traveling around the country doing lots of youth things. And during that time, um, back in 1990, you'll remember that communism fell in Europe. And Ian was just curious to know what it was like in some of the countries that had been under communism. And so he took a trip into Eastern Europe in a van with a great group of men and they traveled around Poland, Czechoslovakia as it was then, Hungary and on the way back from that trip he was just praying in the van. He was really moved by what he'd seen and the amount of need Um, and so he just prayed and said God you're gonna have to send people to help. What did God say? well, why don't you do it then? And I remember Ian sort of saying, I didn't think I was going to be the answer to my own prayer. (laughs) That's a dangerous prayer to pray. (laughs) Um, And I remember him coming home from that trip. And as I said, we'd been married six months. And he said, I feel God's calling us to do something in Eastern Europe. And I was like, oh, what? 
well, I don't really know. Just some, I think we just need to help some people. They need some leadership development, do some youth stuff. I don't know. Um, my question was, well, who's going to pay us? Because it's important, isn't it? <laughs> um, ah, that was a problem because... If you start something and you can't quite explain what you're going to do, people don't really want to support that. <laughs> um, and so it was hard, Yakka, at the beginning, um, because people were like, oh, yeah, Ian Green, oh, he's going to do something in Europe. Oh, well. Um, gave back his salary, gave back his secretary in the car, and we launched out into the deep. We took a big step. We took a big risk. But that started with a thought. Somebody needs to do something. And um, we've had an amazing 30 years. Yeah, there have been some tough times, but that's life, isn't it? Um, But some amazing miracles. And if you read the book, um, you'll, you'll read a lot about some of the miracles that we've had in our lives. But, yeah, it took... A thought. Just one thought, but then it took obedience to that thought. It took courage um, to step out and be obedient. Um, There's another word I think it helps us this evening. Um, I was reading a book by Brené Brown. Don't know if any of you have ever read anything of hers or seen anything on... Uh, YouTube. She's a sociologist in America. And she came up with this term about staying curious. And in the book, The Atlas of the Heart, she talks about curiosity. Choosing to be curious is choosing to be vulnerable because it requires us to surrender to uncertainty. We have to ask questions, admit to not knowing, risk being told that we shouldn't be asking, and sometimes make discoveries that lead to discomfort. Wow, that's a quote, isn't it? Curious, thinking about change, being willing to take on a new thought, will involve us being vulnerable will involve us to sometimes surrender to uncertainty. So when we started in Eastern Europe, we had not a clue what we were doing. We just took that first step. But when we took the first step, we took the second step, the third step, the fourth step, and God was there. Um, And he made a way. But it was uncertain It was uncertain. We were vulnerable because people didn't really understand what we were doing. Asking questions, admit to not knowing. Oh, we don't like that one, do we? We want to pretend we know it all, (laughs) but we don't. Discomfort. Oh, now that's not a nice one, is it? You know, change does involve that level of discomfort. Uh, And we almost have to be friends with that discomfort in order to change. You know, the challenge is we're all creatures of habit. Change is uncomfortable. And when we take on new thinking, 
Sometimes it almost isolates us or we might even be classed as strange or rebels when we embrace new thinking. Now, when I was growing up, I grew up in a very lovely Christian family, but a very legalistic Christian family. My dad was the elder in my church. My mum was the mission secretary. Very committed, but very legalistic. So as a child, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't watch TV. I could read books. Um, I went to church nearly every day of the week. Um, I wasn't encouraged to have non-Christian friends because, whoa, they're worldly. Couldn't have those. Now, my mother is not with us anymore, but if she saw me today, she would be turning in her grave because I am wearing man's apparel. Oh, shocking, shocking. Um, yeah. And I got my ears pierced. Oof, terrible. And I'm wearing makeup. Oh, dear. <laughs> There's no hope for me. <laughs> but, you know, that was the sort of family I was brought up in. We weren't allowed to go to the cinema. Um, I was the sort of person who challenged my parents. Not in a bad way. I never did rebel against them because I did respect them. But I was always questioning I was always saying, okay, right, the cinema thing. Is it the movie I'm going to go and see? Or is it the fact that I'm sitting next to a non-Christian? Well, they could never answer me that. Oh, it's just Christians don't do that. That's worldly. And that was it. You know, that was the answer I always got. But I was always questioning. And it's funny now, my sister was the real goody-goody. She didn't challenge. She didn't ask questions. She just was obedient and um, compliant. And so even now, um, when we get together with my family, my nieces always call me that rebellious auntie. Um, even though I really wasn't. But, you know, asking questions isn't wrong. And, and saying, please, I don't get it. I don't understand. Please explain. Because change only happens when people ask questions, when people challenge the status quo. Um, change only happens in church when we ask the difficult questions. When we ask questions like, is this working? Are we having an impact? Or are we just a good Christian club? Do we just love our cosy little Sundays or is it really having any impact in our community? You know, I believe that we are in an exciting moment in church history. You know, we've just come through the most strange time probably all of us have ever lived through, the pandemic. And we had to adapt as a church, all of us across the world, we all had to adapt and perhaps we learnt that people outside the church weren't too bothered that we'd shut our doors. Is that true? They, they didn't care. Like, eh, church shut. It was only really the Christians who were like, it's wrong, we can't go to church. Because that was part of our culture. 
But for the people outside, it didn't really bother them. Shall I tell you what did bother them? Whether we were good neighbours. Whether we were showing kindness during that time. And um, before we moved house, we lived in a, a little close of houses. There were ten in our little close. And over the years, you know, we probably hadn't been the best neighbours. We made excuses like we're always away. We're always travelling, so we're not at home very often. And when we are, we, ooh, we don't want to talk to anyone. Um, but, you know, God challenged us that he's put us there for a reason. Um, and so we, we had attempted for the last few Christmases an open house just before Christmas, invited everybody in our close to come and have a Christmas drink, a mince pie. Um, and we'd had limited success. We'd had a few houses that came, so that was good. But then when the pandem- pandemic came and we're all, we knew everybody was at home, like nobody was going to work. We're all in our houses. And we thought, what can we do? What can we do? And so the first Easter, we were like, right, we're going to buy every house a big Easter egg. We're going to write them a little card. Um, We're going to wish them a happy Easter. But actually say, you know, if any of you get sick during this time and you need some help and you need to do your shopping for you, call us. We'd love to do that for you. Um, And we... Actually, our church at the time was doing an Easter service online. We said, perhaps you'd like to watch an Easter service. Here's the link. And we did have one family said they would like to, actually. So we thought that was good. Um, But when we dropped the Easter eggs at the door, we obviously had to knock on the door, stand way, way back, put the Easter egg on the floor. Uh, Didn't want to catch anything. Um, But people were shocked. They were like, you so much that's so kind um and you just go it's an easter egg (laughs) it's not like we've given you a million pounds it's an easter egg but it was just showing god's love his kindness and um a few or a few weeks later um i don't know if you were part of this but It was the 75th anniversary of the end of the Second World War. So it was VE Day in Europe. And so, as British people like to do, we like to have a party. Um, Whether it's the Queen's Jubilee, although she's not with us anymore. um, We like to get together and have a street party. Well, obviously we were in the middle of COVID, and so that was... A little restricted, we couldn't have anybody in our home. So we thought, well, we could organise something in our street because no cars came down the street apart from people that lived there. So it was pretty safe and we all got front lawns. Um, And so we got my daughter to make us a nice little invitation and we just put it through every door and just said, like, we're going to have a VE Day celebration party in our close if you'd like to join. All you have to do is bring your picnic table out the front, some chairs, bring your own food, your own drink we can't share. Um, We're going to put on some music from the war, war music, (laughs) Um, and we're going to do a toast. 
So if you'd like to come, just come and join us. Well, I put out all my bunting, made it all look very nice outside the house. We got our table and chairs out. And then we sat there and we thought, is anybody going to join us? And what was interesting, obviously in our close, we had quite a lot of different nationalities. So we wondered if they'd even want to celebrate VE Day. Do you know, everybody in our street came. Everybody. People absolutely loved it. They were like, we need to do this more often. Perhaps we should have a barbecue when COVID is over. But it gave us the opportunity to talk to people that we never talked to in our street before. Uh, There was a lady who lived right in the corner, didn't even know her at all. Um, She came out with a little table and had to sit on her own, which was sad. Um, But it gave us that opportunity just to connect with her. And from that moment on, we would... I would go and knock on her door, take her some flowers, just have a little chat on the doorstep. How are you? You're living on your own. It's tough um, during COVID. She appreciated that so much. From that moment on, every time we saw her walk, going for a walk, she'd stop and have a chat. But it just started with a creative idea, didn't it? We can do something. We can do something. Now, we didn't, you know, have Hillsong music playing in the close. We didn't get our Bible out or, you know, preach or anything. But we were just starting by being a good neighbor. We were just building relationships. And I just think that COVID was very positive for that reason. (laughs) People were more neighbourly, and it would be a shame now if we stopped and we went, just went back to how it has always been. We don't talk to anybody. We just carry on our lives. Because people so appreciated that level of friendship, that level of connection. What can you do in your community? You know, there's a reason why God has placed you where you are, whether it's in your job, whether it's at university, whether it's at school, whether it's at home, being a mom, taking your kids to school, whatever it is, God has placed you there for a reason. You're not just there by accident. And the people living around you, the people you connect with every day at school or work, they're your mission field. They're your people. They're your people to disciple. They're your people to connect with and invest your time into. Now, the problem sometimes is with being in a church setting. We have so many programs. We have so many nights that we need to be out rehearsing and all sorts of things that we go, wow, I've just got no time. Just got no time. But, you know, what are our priorities? You know, our neighbours, the people who don't know Jesus, they've got to be the priority, haven't they? And I just want to encourage you tonight 
to embrace a new thought. Ask Jesus, what creative thought do I need to take on? Is it what I can do with the people I work with? Is it what I can do in my neighborhood? God wants to drop creative thoughts into our heads. He's the creative God. If someone can make an iPhone, I'm sure God could give us a thought that's creative. And so going back to the passage that we started with, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. When we place it before God as an offering, if we're willing to open our minds to being challenged, to be stepping out of a comfort zone, which is hard, God's going to drop ideas. He's going to drop ideas into our heads. And our lives are not going to be boring. They're not going to be ordinary because God has got a plan for us, a good plan. It says God brings the best out in you. You know, and the best is not for you. It's for the people around you. Um, And I just want to leave you tonight to just think, are you ready for this adventure? Are you ready for God to drop a creative thought into your head?